Joe Hockey says that the age pension, which will rise from 65 to 67 in 2023, will continue going up until 2035. If you're still working by 2035, you shouldn't expect to retire till you're 70 years old. Former Treasurer Joe Hockey didn't get a warm reception when he announced this a few years ago, but one man... Simon McKeon, uh, Chancellor Monash University. ...thinks it might not be such a bad thing to retire later in life. I asked him why he thinks this, following a speech he gave on the subject of Australia's ageing workforce. It's just bleedingly obvious to me that if our useful, productive lives have been um, growing at a great rate over the last... Uh, century or two, you know, why are we stuck having a label that's put on us saying that, you know, you are really incapable of working past a certain age and, and we've been stuck at that age for a long time. Now, um, I absolutely acknowledge that, um, you know, we, uh, that, that the employment market needs to respond. We need to take a a different view on the usefulness of older workers. That's certainly one of the main points I was making today. Um, you know, a person who is 60 is a different person to when they were 40 or, or 20. But at the end of the day, just having that rigid retirement age uh, that does not seem to be connected with, with our lifelong expectations or our expectancies of useful working lives, etc., that's got to be challenged. Um, we have to grasp that nettle. I absolutely acknowledge that um, there will be many who think, gosh, what does that mean for me? And will feel very concerned about it. And frankly, another, uh, you know, a number of our challenges is all about having that conversation that says, yeah, well, this is what it means for you if you're an older person without a job. Do you think that there is something in raising it to 70? Do you think it needs to be tied to a particular age? Um, well, I think because, you know, it's, it's part of the taxation or social security system, there do need to be um, lines in the sand and, and what have you. So, yeah, we, we do need to deal with ages. But the question is, why is the age that we have at the moment in the system the right one? And, uh, you know, as I said today, uh, you know, a former treasurer had a go at, um, at raising the discussion. And it didn't go down very well overall. I mean, I, I circulated in pockets that said, yes, bring it on. But plainly, there were many others who disagreed with that or who felt threatened or whatever. And that just says to me that this is an important conversation. Uh, we need to, um, to be very careful about it. But at the moment, um, you know, we are really going around in circles. You mentioned the need to change the mentality around early retirement. Why is there a need for that now? Well, I, I do think it does need to change because our bodies have changed. A hundred years ago, our life expectancies were the better part of 30 years less than what they are today. So something needs to change. As it turns out, broadly, we're spending around about the same time as we always have with primary, secondary and indeed tertiary education. To my knowledge, the final years of life, in one sense, haven't changed 
dramatically, you know, if we lead a, a long and, um, uh, you know, productive life, it may well be that the very end bit isn't quite as productive as we, as we would have liked. But what that means is that the bit in the middle has just grown and grown very substantially. You know, once upon a time, it may well have been that the adult productive life was, say, around 30 years. But by any measure nowadays, it's at least 50 to 60 to 70 percent longer. It just is. And that means that a number of things ought to flow and be variable as a result of that. And one of them simply ought to be the community's expectation of a reasonable retirement age. But, you know, for many others, and I guess this is really the main point of what I was talking about today, there's actually an innate desire, not necessarily to, to work for extraordinarily long hours and, and what have you, but to have an opportunity to work for at least part of that working week as, as people age. And all I'm saying is that, you know, sadly, that just doesn't seem to be uh, recognised much in the community. Certainly in the business workplace, particularly in publicly listed companies, it's unusual to have old people. It just is. It's not part of our psyche. It's not part of our culture. You mentioned uh, a statistic that more people over the age of 50 are on the dole and, and the focus at the moment, at least from the last federal budget, is on um, young job seekers and trying to get people into the workforce. Do you think there's not enough focus at the moment at the other end of the workforce and helping people stay in the workforce longer but also finding older people work? You know, this is not someone who says, no, let's just switch the focus away from the young to the old. No, not at all. I'm just saying that we often forget from a whole of community perspective, how valuable work is. It's not just a matter of getting someone off the dole and out of the, you know, being reliant on the public purse. It's so much bigger than that. It, uh, as I touched on ever so briefly, it affects uh, mental health. It affects, no doubt, family violence. You know, some of the stuff that Rosie Batty is dealing with so brilliantly, I am sure, is brought on about some dads not feeling usefully occupied you know so unemployment is a whole lot of a bigger issue than just putting money on the table and all I'm saying is that um, there are two particular cohorts the young but particularly the old that seem to suffer in a relatively significant way at the same time as you're making the case for us to be thinking about um, people staying in the workforce longer and changing the mindset for that, you also mentioned that there is a possibility that people might peak before they retire. Do you think businesses at the moment are, are meeting this challenge? Do you think the Australian government needs to do more? How can we cope with a workforce that might be peaking before they retire? Yeah. Look, I just wanted to be perfectly candid, or as best as I could anyway, about what we are dealing with. I don't see that it's a bad thing that um, we might be at the very, very best of our creative abilities or whatever before we finally retire. It's just something to be acknowledged. I mean, what I do know, perhaps which I didn't emphasise enough though, is that, let's face it, the longer we work, the more experienced we are. And being able to impart wisdom, judgement, ethics, all those sorts of things, I don't think we run out of steam in any of those areas. It's just that... Um, you know, plainly, m many of us have no problem working longer hours when we're younger. We might be at our creative best at our younger years, but I think my big point was 
business should not use those statistics as an excuse to turf out older people because there are still many, many other things that they can do. And in any event, as I said, um, you know, we don't want our managing directors necessarily to be 80 years old, but that is not to say that older people still can't make a valuable contribution to the running of a complex. Today you also acknowledge that the workforce is changing as technology changes and as, as the work we do evolves. Do you think that there'll be some sort of cost or, or potential benefit from engaging the ageing workforce in that process and, and trying to re-educate and train people for the jobs of the future? Yeah, look, I didn't shy away from the fact today that, um, you know, let's face it, much of new technology is really focused on being used by younger people. I have no problem with that. New ways of doing things, disruption is remarkable, it's effective, it's efficient, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I just cannot believe that we're going to use that as another excuse why there, there isn't a good role for older age Australians to, to be of relevance and, um, and, and of use in, in the private sector as well, let alone the, the non-for-profit sector. No more excuses for, for business and not-for-profit and anyone in employing older workers. Do you have any tips for, for those employers who are saying, well, how do I deal with this now that you've laid down the challenge? Look, that, that's a, a really good question. I think the first thing is that, um, uh, you know, some time ago I heard of one of our very large accounting firms that had this very strict rule that partners would leave at the age of 53. And I think that rule was adopted because there was a lot of pressure of younger partners coming on board and... They would say, look, we're in our 30s or early 40s. We just work harder than the 50-year-olds. And my response to that was simply that we need to be very, very careful as a society just about adopting overly strict rules, especially when it comes to age. You know, we're a diverse species. We're, we're, we're highly intelligent and each one of us is special. Each one of us is different and we we shouldn't be too keen to typecast according to age or sex or anything else. And I guess my advice to business people would be look carefully at everyone who is on our workforce and particularly older people and don't just fall into the trap of saying you've hit a certain age and accordingly we have no use for you anymore. It may well be that that's the silliest decision that you could have made that day as a senior business person, that in fact the better decision would have been to have sat down and said, look, you've had a birthday recently. How are you finding work? Is there another role? Are the hours right? This or that? Because you've been a very valued employee of this organisation for 20 years or so. Rather than just to say, it's time for you to go, we'd like to discuss with you what you think is right. And so having that flexible, I would call intelligent approach, permeate more broadly through our working culture is a whole lot better than strict rules and, um, and timelines that may not work for, 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 for us as individuals. Simon McKeon, Chancellor at Monash University. I'm Jenny Henderson, Melbourne Editor for Business and Economy at The Conversation. Our theme music is by Ben Sound, with some additional music from Bed Folds, the song Fred Jones Part 2. You can find more business briefing on The Conversation's website you can also read more from other academics on the subject of retirement on the website too.